sand through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to The Longest Days of Our Lives, a 24 fan cast. I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer, superfan Mike Cushing. And I am another host, 24 newbie Curtis Perry. And I am your third host, and coming around on Tony, Michael Howard. Yeah, Tony's got uh, some pretty good moments in this one, I don't mind telling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Noah, this was, you know what, there wasn't as much action in this one, but I actually really liked this episode. It was it was a nice reprieve from you know we talked a lot about the season the, the seasons been building up to the last episode as kind of the mid season finale we had a couple action packed episodes in a row this we talked about maybe expecting a lull on the horizon and we got it but it was still a good episode yeah a little more intrigue going yeah. on this time so well hey, fellas I have a I have a fun trivia fact about this episode really go on it. this episode aired on the day of the California presidential primary. Really? Mm-hmm. Bitch. On Super Tuesday. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when the California primary is. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm confused a little bit. Uh, this show aired in, in 2001? 2001. Yeah. What are you talking about, there's Michael? No, there's no primary. Idiot? I don't yeah, know, man. That was yeah. after the, the <laughs> George George Bush. Yeah. We, we got W1. I don't yeah, know what to tell you. Won a very I, specific election. Yeah. <laughs> and when I say won, I, do, I did wink pretty hard. <laughs> um, Florida happened. Stand up. Florida, stand up. Yeah. Um, well, guys, before we jump into the 1 p.m. hour while Michael fact checks his very dumb statement, um, <laughs> I want to tell you something. So, um, uh, one of my friends, uh, Lindsay, an international listener, uh, was over stateside last week and I was lucky enough to meet up. And uh, she said that she was very bummed by the hiatus that we took. She really enjoyed the show. And so I know in the after credits for this show, I always say you don't need to watch 24. You've never, you don't have to have ever seen it to enjoy this particular podcast. And I asked her, had you ever seen 24 before? And she said, no, but I enjoy y'all's banter. You guys are very funny. And I enjoy what you say about the show 24. So that's proof positive that the claim that I was pulling directly out of my butt <laughs> was very true. And tell your friends. You don't need to watch 24 to enjoy these three doofuses talk about a 15-year-old TV show. Uh, That's very true. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a great tagline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these three doofuses. So, uh, Michael, have you have you fact-checked yourself? Um, Yeah, I don't know where they got that from. That was from the Wikia of 24, and they were wrong. Yeah, hashtag fake news. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Kush, is, is the plural of doofuses doofi? I don't know. I'm, I don't know Latin. It's a dead language. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to leave that alone now. Well, fellas, uh, it is now 1 p.m. on the day of the California presidential primary. A lot happened the last couple weeks. Jack finally reunited with his family. He's gone rogue for a little bit at CTU. He's escaped from Secret Service custody. The FBI's after him. He he bucked off his own agency. He's been working with Tina. Sorry. Yeah, you know, he's been working with Tina uh, uh, at CTU, kind of helping him out. I mentioned Carrie and Tim from last week. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even drunk at this point. Um, but uh, so, yeah, Jack is finally back in CTU custody, uh, being brought back to CTU. His family's with him. Um, before we get started, Curtis, uh, I always am so curious to see what is on your television screen uh, over your left shoulder. I can't quite tell what you got there. Um, what we have right now is a man walking uh, into a plane down a jetway 
Uh, he looks oh, like no. a very... Oh, it, fuck you! I it, see it, him! It, nope. He's this a very distinguished hero. gentleman. He, 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 I, I he's see someone him that now. should be respected when you see him walk on your plane, cut, because what cut, he did... Cut the mic, cut the mic, cut the mic. ...was magnificent. <laughs> what he did was special. And he selected a man who, without reproach, to play him in this movie, the greatest actor that has ever or will ever exist on this planet. What Samuel that L. Jackson. Michael? Samuel Leroy Jackson. <laughs> that is what the L stands for. <laughs> well, it's Leroy, I'm, I'm assuming. I'm Michael. I want I'm Leroy Michael on it. I'm Michael Kine. The greatest. Um, <laughs> fuck, yeah. Okay, well, I now I know that you've baited me into this, and fuck you. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's the name of the movie, Cook? Go say it. Sully. It's Sully. Captain Sully Sullenberger. So you got through you. an entire episode without us mentioning... Mr. Yeah. Two, no, we, we went Starting through like one, two or three episodes and then I, I walked right into it. Quick fact, y'all. Tom Hanks likes to send notes to people on customized stationery that at the top of it reads Hanks spelled H-A-N-X. <laughs> that man is incredible. <laughs> anyway, so it's now 1 p.m. on the day of the California, California presidential primary. Um, Jack and his family are flying back in the CTU news chopper. Uh, the chopper is banking over L.A. The Bowers are reuniting. Ter- uh, Terry and Jack are making out a little bit. Uh, all just smooching. Uh, Jack looks out the front window like he knows that he's flying into a, an actual shitstorm, <laughs> because he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the helicopter is greeted at CTU by Alberta Green, acting director of the L.A. District, Jack's former office. Uh, Nina and Tony are with him. And we learn that the prisoners from the Gaines compound, so CTU took some, some terrorists into custody, they're being transported another way. Um, and as they all jump off the helicopter... Do you think they got Kevin? I mean, they might have gotten Kevin. We don't know where Kevin wound up. Wow. I think we might find out. I can't wait to find out about Kevin. Yeah, we might find out what happens to Kevin. Um, So as they jump off the chopper, uh, Terry gets another stomach pain, uh, and Jack asks if something happened at the compound, and Terry just says, it's probably just stress. So Terry continues to hide stuff from Jack here. Uh, Kim gives her a look. Basically, Jack just shuffles them off in an ambulance, and he has to go get questioned by CTU. Well, so, guys, there was an interesting well, the, exchange that happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go I was going to say, there's yeah. something happened here. I would yep. say, they, they reach, you know, Nina and Tony and Alberta, and Jack turns to Nina and says, thanks, Nina. Yeah. And Terry shoots him a very interesting look, but I was under the impression that Terry was not aware of what happened. Yeah, so I, I did, I underlined that. It said, Terry gives him a look, and then later in the episode, she appears to have no right. inkling right. About, yeah. about Nina and Jack. I mean, let, let's be honest, what happened, I mean, Terry looks at Nina and Jack as if to say, I know, <laughs> y'all been fucking. Well, everyone well, else knows. Yeah, right? it, it right? comes and up later in this episode. Away. Literally everyone in this episode, in this show, knows that Jack and Nina been been bumping them. Everyone in the city of L.A., Except for uh, Terry and Kim. Take it back. I'm going to say no Kim. Kim yeah. knows nothing. Kim Terry, and Kim, Terry and Kim don't know shit. Uh, yeah, Kim right. Kim knows literally nothing. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like George Ferragamo knew they was fucking. Yeah, oh, yeah. Kim for knew sure. nothing. Yeah. Uh, so he thanks Nina. Terry gives him a look. He sends him off into the ambulance, and he goes to be debriefed. Um, Alberto lets him know that he's being put under house arrest, and he's going to be questioned until they give him to the FBI. Um, <laughs> yeah, which we all see how that's gone in the past. And so they march him into CTU. And because I don't, I'm not sure if the agent that Jack punched directly in the penis <laughs> is here still. 
But I like to think that he is. He was with Mason, right? So he's not, he's not still there. I mean, maybe. You'd think. You know, I mean, no one else has left this office, which comes up again later in this episode. It does. Uh, so anyway, uh, before Jack starts his, uh, his debriefing, his interrogation, he asks Nina to watch Terry and Kim to go to the clinic. He needs, he needs her help. She's the only one he can trust. He's put into an interrogation room and just puts his head in his hands like he's finally gotten some peace and quiet in this world. And I, like, I had a moment for Jack, which is like, I'm glad, you know, just get to relax back there. It's I love nice. that the only place he can actually get a moment to himself is in an interrogation room after he's been accused of trying to kill the president. After he's been accused of trying oh, to sorry. kill the president. Presidential candidate, sorry. Uh, assaulting Secret Service agents. <laughs> uh, yeah, breaking protocol in 19,000 different ways. Yeah, uh, Jack's had himself a morning. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Curse. You watching Sully there, bud? Tabitha. <laughs> <laughs> right now's the moment. So, moment. as. Is this when he flies the plane no, upside down no, and lands it no, on its roof? No. See, now you're thinking of one Denzel Washington. This. Sully Sullivan. Oh, right. The, the moment. The moment that he became a hero. Okay, so. Cometh, sh- cometh the moment, Kush. All right. Cometh the man. Um, so, Nina uh, asks Alberta Green permission to go home for an hour and clean up since she's been there since before midnight alberta denies her shuts her down she sees right through that bullshit basically says i have a great eye for bs if you want an hour tell me where and why and uh nina just says jack wants me to look after the bowers being isolated <laughs> after after being you know alone <laughs> and uh alberta again just calls it right out just like, well that's irony for you you looking after jack's wife and Alberta's uh, cold as ice, man. Yeah, just damn. Like everyone knows they've been fucking. How bad are they at keeping a secret? Yeah, for they're special for, agents. Like, they're, how, how the hell? They're spies. Yeah, I don't understand this, man. Part of this whole plot is happening because Jack can't keep a secret or keep his identity secret. So, um, anyway, Alberta gives her permission, tells her to get Tony all set up to cover for her. Um, so we cut back to Palmer HQ. Um, Palmer's asking an aide named Elizabeth for, um... Wait. No, no, it's not yet. Settle down. It doesn't happen yet. Damn it. Yeah. Are you sure? Off. Yeah, it, it happens in three seconds. <laughs> uh, so, Palmer's asking for polling numbers from an aide named Elizabeth, wanting to see if the breakfast incident has affected, is hurting his numbers. Like, I don't really know why someone trying to kill you would, like, hurt your poll numbers, but here we are. Well, I mean, um, what's the point of electing a dead person president? That's true. It's um, happened in the Senate, bro. He he looks up and sees Sherry kind of staring at him across the room, and she ducks into uh, another room. So he excuses himself from Elizabeth, Elizabeth, goes to find Sherry, and it's a tiny clock. Take a drink. It is now one oh seven p.m. Michael has been drinking for the last 30 seconds. I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, so David enters, like, a kitchen area with Sherry, and, uh, Sherry starts to talk, and then turns around and just sees, like, the creepiest Secret Service agent in the world just kind of, like, staring through the open door, just, stay, like, just staring, standing there. So she shuts the door on him, um, and, uh... Gotta make sure everyone's safe in that kitchen. There's, yeah. like, muffins in there, and... And so, maybe, maybe that was the same dude who was ashamed of David in the last episode. <laughs> the like, nah, bro. Nah. <laughs> nah. Um, so, Sherry knows that this is probably about Ferragamo. So, she tells him, you got to put your game face on. There's nothing you can do about Keith or Ferragamo. And so, David basically just tells her that he's dropping it uh, and he's being blackmailed by his campaign financiers, which shocks, what shocks Sherry. Sorry. Shocks Sherry. And uh, she asks, what do they want? And so he kind of lets her know the whole thing, that Keith could be framed for Farragama's murder, 
that they planted evidence. And I kind of wonder, like, if you blew up an office building, what kind of evidence could you plant that, like, would, one, survive, and two, only implicate someone if, like, someone told you that it was this person? Because that to be physical evidence, like a note or fingerprints or something. Right. Not necessarily. Um, so essentially what you do is you remove all evidence of what you did. Yeah. And perhaps Reasonable they doubt. say, hmm, does Dr. Ferragamo have any brown patients? Yeah. Sorry, I did forget that for a moment. I did right. forget Keith was well, this is, yeah, this is pre This is pre-9-11, right? So did he have a black face perhaps? Keith? Boom. Done. He's the yeah. only one. So a lot happens on this storyline. Uh, we'll get to it. It's it's a little painful. The whole family gets involved. So Sherry's shocked. She she's wondering how this can happen. And we have she says um, no, approximately forty seven. Yeah, and then we have no 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 no. So this is again one of those moments where Sherry is set up as kind of like a Machiavellian character to David's like white knight sort of uh persona, but. So David says, this is what happens when you cover things up. She says, don't preach to me, David. What are we going to do? Does Keith know? And David, literally three seconds after saying, this is what happens when you cover things up, says, no, and Keith won't know because we're not going to tell him. (laughs) So he just walks away. After he got so mad that everyone hid stuff from him. From him. And remains mad about it throughout this episode. Yes. Yeah, he's he's gone full-blown douche. He sucks. Curtis, it looks like he got thoughts. Yeah, so you look you look no, pained. No, I I'm gonna take a screenshot. I can I can hear my own in the last episode. I'm just gonna let this <laughs> Curtis, this is an audio medium. We all need to hear your anger. I know, I know. <laughs> he just he's the worst. He's just I would rather Ira Gaines be the president. Yeah. Well well there'll be plenty of other moments for you to express some uh displeasure with Mr. David Palmer I'm kind, episode. Of, I'm kind of hoping that our pretty terror boy becomes president yeah that'd be nice uh, our sexy angel terrorist mm-hmm. um, so we cut back to the clinic Terry's arriving uh, she meets someone named Dr. Kent who takes her back for an ultrasound basically asks her if there's anything else that they need to know about Terry initially tries to shrug it off Kim says mom Terry tells Dr. Kent that she was raped at the terrorist compound. And we, I, again, I, I don't know if this is just kind of this, the era of television you were in. Uh, you know, the doctor basically says, uh, you can get help. I want to recommend to a psychiatrist. And Terry just tries to be stoic about it and definitely says, I want to keep it confidential, Jack. Like it's again, her burden to bear and she doesn't want to make it a bigger deal than it is. Uh, which is it hard. This scene was heartbreaking. It sucked. It really is. And it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's something that it happened and she can't, you know, she doesn't want to deal with Mike. I can't put myself in that position to understand, but I would say if you, if you tell your husband you are giving him vengeance fuel that will get him through this situation. Which I again, though, I mean, I think, I think a lot of that is Terry probably knows what kind of man Jack is that he uses anger for, like, I'm sure she just, she doesn't want to give him more fuel because, like, she, he puts himself in danger through anger and everything else anyway. He probably doesn't want to, like, make it worse. Especially when yep. they're just back to like normal ish before this, so And she already double tapped Eli. So Yeah. She she revenge gotten. Um but the doctor just says, if that's what you want, and there's like an uncomfortable silence, and then we cut to commercial, cut back, it's one fifteen. Mike Novak, uh the chief of staff for David Palmer, is telling him that he needs to spend some time with two senators, Blaylock and Gleason. And David doesn't like that for whatever reason. He says he does not want to align himself with people like that. 
Um, and Mike says, well, you got to spend time with him. And, uh, we get a Palmer growl, very yeah. similar to one C. Perry growl. And, uh, yeah. by the way, but fellas, he, he, I, I don't care if you don't like it. It was above a middle C, so please take a drink. Y'all at home, please drink along as well. You dare compare his growl to my growl's growl, bitch growl. <laughs> yeah, yours is, is fierce and delightful. Um, so Mike, for whatever, uh, Mike is worried that the Ferragamo story is not going to go away. And David tells him to just make sure the day gets back on track. Um, and so obviously, Ferragamo was mentioned in, in an open hotel room. So who should overhear? Keith. 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 Oh, Keith. So David tells Keith that Dr. Ferragamo died in an office fire. And it takes Keith about 0.6 seconds <laughs> to figure out the entire plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does not believe that it was an accident and that it was a cover up for David's campaign. Well, what's impressive? And then it takes, it takes him another 0.6 seconds to immediately cement his status as the fe- the male version of Kim. Yeah. What's, yep. what's impressive though is he gets to the conclusion without even knowing originally that Ferragamo had something to do with his situation with Lyle. Yeah. Dixon. So he basically, he figures out that Ferragamo Broke patient, <laughs> doctor patient confidentiality, yep. told someone, yep. um, about Lyle, Lyle Gibson and Keith's, you know, involvement in his death and figures out that someone is trying to cover up for David's campaign. Like, yeah, I mean, in like, literally a half a second. It's, it's amazing. He didn't know anything about Ferragamo breaking client patient, pl- patient nope. uh, privilege, but somehow he, he figures that out and then goes all the way to the fact that somebody killed him to cover up. Yeah. Everything. So what does he want to do like almost immediately off the bat? Just go to the police. Go to the cops. Go to the police. Best plan ever, Keith. Yeah. And then uh, it's amazing. So- he He's like broken up over Ferragamo and he says he meant something to me, except that he just figured out that Ferragamo is the one who sold him out. Yeah. Like he, he didn't even have like he didn't have time to like one, understand or fully like even remotely process the fact that Ferragamo broke it to him but anyway so he wants David to go to the cops he's he accuses david pretty accurately of only trusting the system when uh keys or when he says quote my hind parts are on the line <laughs> which was a fantastic little line um but not when your campaign is on the line and david says again doubling down on this hiding things from him my campaign has been online ever since you lied about lyle gibson he says this isn't about lyle gibson anymore I might have been involved in his death, but someone murdered Ferragamo and they have to go down. And he's just for, you know, everyone's sake at home, shouting this in the middle of a crowded, like, hotel suite filled with people on the phone, like, presidential staff or, like, campaign staffers on the phone to, like, reporters, pollsters, all this stuff. And it's not the last time. Not the last time this happens. No. Um, and so he says, Ferragamo was the only one there for me. You don't know what he did for me. I'm not going to pretend this didn't happen. And David just asked for a little bit of time to get to the bottom of this. Man, they have he's a little emotional straight scene. to his face now. I, I mean, yeah, David, again, I think he's fully sold into that he needs to be president now and he can't let anything jeopardize that because he wants to bring these people down just as much as Keith does. But I think he now he knows that he can't afford his dumbass son going <laughs> to the cops to put himself in jail, which is an odd role reversal now. Now that Keith wants to go to jail. David can't allow him to go to jail, even though he's been spending the last seven hours trying to put him there. Well, but what's what's amazing is that, like, he's now he's now thinking, like, I need to become president so that I can take the down, which is all that 
Carl has been telling Carl and Sherry have been telling him was like, hey, just drop everything and wait till you're president and then figure out how to how to get back these people. And like, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even realize the irony. No, he's no. very bad. He's an idiot. <laughs> he's, he's the worst. Keith is the worst. That they they have this whole emotional scene with not one goddamn tear being shed between the two of them. Yeah, they have um, a big hug off. Yeah, it. <laughs> I get it. Like, apparently you're a shitty father, David, and the shrink helped me through my time, which I was dealing with the fact that my sister raped. I, no one's brought Nicole up in the situation, but whatever, Keith, your problems were really serious. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole, um, Nicole is invisible still, which is <laughs> horse shit. And also, I did want to, I didn't have time to go back and check previous episodes, but so Keith in this scene and in earlier episodes is wearing a purple dress shirt with black slacks. At one point, in the season, he went for a run and broke away from CTU, uh, you know, protection. I'm fairly certain when we first see him in the first couple episodes, he's wearing the same outfit. So this man went to sleep multiple times, <laughs> went for a run, took a shower, and put the same outfit back on. <laughs> he only he's brought not- so many outfits to California. Keith's not in a good place, is all I'm saying. Yeah, that's true. I, I, what this episode taught me that kind of cements it for me is that if the men in this world would just go away, everything would be fine because they're I just, I just. Curtis, I'm, listen, you could probably make a pretty compelling argument that in this world, that we inhabit, that if we all just went away, things probably would take a turn for the best. Um, but anyway, it's now 119. We get a tiny clock. Take a drink. We come back to CTU. A small entourage walks into the front doors. Led by a short, slender man who looks like a pretty serious asshole. <laughs> he greets Tony. Tony responds, Mr. Chappelle, which is a name we've heard before. He is the CTU division director. Mr. Dave Chappelle. Uh, Ryan Chappelle, mm. turns out. Mm. Um, okay. So Tony looks concerned as Chappelle walks in, and uh, Milo walks up from out of nowhere, our a kind of freelance hacker guy. <laughs> where, the, where the fuck's that guy been for the last four hours? Well, he, snacking, he got done snacking. So he got done tracing the call. Uh, and so it's, he's yeah, just been fixing like he got done tracing stuff. the call three minutes ago. <laughs> so hey, he guys, says, I know where I know where Kim and Terry are now. <laughs> in case um, you're wondering. He says they're bringing in the big guns, huh? So. Ryan Chappelle, just to kind of give a, a quick breakdown of the CTU hierarchy, which I tried to find like something, it makes no sense, but, uh, <laughs> there are divisions, districts, and then offices. So Jack is in a regional LA office. George Mason, who he, who Jack tranked in the leg previously uh-huh. is a district manager. Ryan Chappelle is the division manager in charge of the entire LA region. So Southern California, Ryan Chappelle's in charge of. So Chappelle is George Mason's boss, who is Jack Bauer's boss. So Chappelle has arrived to interrogate Jack. Um, yeah. So what do you, what do you think is going to happen here? Uh, Milo asks Tony, says, Tony just says, well, they're not going to name a street after him. <laughs> and, uh, guys, I just want to say, I, I live in Georgia. You'd be surprised the kind of assholes who get streets named after him. <laughs> Are you talking about Patriots, Kush? Are you talking about- <laughs> uh, I guess kinda, but the, the Confederate trade, like traitor kind of Patriot. Are you talking but- about my ancestors? My forefathers were good men. <laughs> but Kush, in your city, right- <laughs> in your city, you do have rap snacks. I do. Oh my so, god, that totally makes up rap snacks. Man, guys, by the way, uh, Migos, uh, like sour cream and the dab of ranch <laughs> chips are oh, delightful. <laughs> A, Wait, dab a, dab, a dab of ranch? It was Migos, wrap snacks, sour cream, and a dab of ranch. That's 
God, that's so good. They were there were seven flavors of wrap snacks. Uh Lil Boozy's Louisiana Heat was oh. fucking delicious, by the way. That sounds great. Yeah, guys, I'm gonna get I'm gonna collect the whole set. It's like Pokemon <laughs> Go out here. It's great. <laughs> So Alberta Green meets Ryan Chappelle, sends him to Jack in Holy Room 2. Um, Jack, we cut back to Jack in the room. Someone brings in some recording equipment. Ryan walks in and Jack and him almost seem friendly. Like they have a working relationship, seems like. Um, they shake hands. They seem cordial. Uh, Ryan kind of jokes around and says, I have five priority cases on my desk today. Your name is on each and every one of them. Um, which, I, real quick, I want to try to break down what those five bad cases might be well there's so obviously have, palmer well i have uh, yeah we have palmer well, the, palmer. the shooting the, the shooting right mm-hmm. then you got the the version the shooting in episode two of what was his name who got killed along with uh yeah so yeah that's a good call i didn't have that one uh uh not mason but uh damn it his boss yeah. uh we'll get to it um yeah, he did uh jamie jamie escaping ctu he kidnapped pentecost he escaped secret service custody the raid on gains like five uh, seems the, like a low kidnapping, number. Kidnapping of the of the the waitress. The waitress, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like five seems like a low number of things that Jack has like could be brought up on charges for. Yeah, I mean, I, there's got to be almost probably close to a baker's dozen. Yeah, laws that he's broken. Well, not just laws, but like cases that you could build <laughs> against him for like full on like crimes and conspiracies. completely completely separate cases. Yeah. Um, so Jack, Jack tries to open up with like a, hey, I just want to say, and Chappelle cuts him off, turns on the recorder and says, you were saying? Mm. And Jack, Jack realizes that the game is afoot and just chuckles and just jumps into his day. Says at 12.15, I got a call from Nina Myers. And, uh, speaking of Nina, we cut back to the clinic. She has arrived. Uh, she walks into an empty room expecting to find Terry. It's not quite empty. She sees a a man in a brown suit uh, who turns around. And he hangs up a telephone uh, and says he's FBI. Mm. They flash oh, badges. A, yeah, friends, this is where the old X-ray for Amazon does not help with uh, them keeping secrets in the story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you might want to turn that one off. Don't tell anyone, Curtis. Yeah, yeah. I want to so, turn that X-ray off. You son of a bitch. So they flash badges. The FBI guy, FBI guy, says that he's there to interrogate the other prisoners that are coming in from Gaines's compound. Which one seems like a bad idea to bring all of the prisoners to a a clinic, <laughs> uh, b the same clinic where their victims were being mm-hmm. held. Yeah, that seemed odd. Yeah, I I just said, who is this motherfucker? Yeah, and then I said to myself. I don't trust nobody. Yeah, so he looked like a squirrely <laughs> rat bastard. Like, definitely did not look... He looked like the kind of guy who would be spoiled by an Amazon x-ray. But um, he does kind of look like an FBI agent in a TV show. Yeah, especially an FBI agent in a show about a rival agency. Mm-hmm. So someone you would want to, like, be an asshole. Um, but Nina walks out, finds out that Terry and Kim were moved. She walks down the hall, finds them, and uh, tells them that Jack can't join them because he broke a few laws and is being questioned. But they'll probably be okay with it because they knew what they were doing. To s- they knew what Jack is doing to save his wife and daughter. Just, just broke a few laws. Yeah. So easy. So Terry, um, they have a moment here where like Terry seems to have no idea again that Jack and Nina have been fucking, even though everyone knows about it. Uh, Terry thanks her for everything that she, that Nina did to save them. Um, and she says she just wants to go home. Kim just wants to see Jack. And, uh, Nina says, it's not that simple. You were in the middle of a terrorist conspiracy. So you're going to need to be questioned eventually. Um, and she goes to leave. Uh, you know, Terry thanks her. And they both, like, Nina walks out and they both have, like, this deep sigh. Like, they're both, like, 
very upset about the interaction. I, I gotta, I gotta say this. So they, they they did the split screen to show Nina and Terry side by side. It's kind of cool. And I realized that uh, I think Jack has a type because it looks like <laughs> Nina is just a different model of Terry. Yeah, like there's a base model, and he was just like, you know, I want that one though. I think uh, maybe a little bit of this action this time because like the same frame and the same. <laughs> like Terry is Woody in Toy Story One. Uh... <laughs> Nina's Woody, but he, like, he found, like, Bo Peep's wig and is wearing it around. Like, that's about it. Essentially. There was also a great line in this one where Terry says to Nina, you know Jack as well as I do. And it was like, oh, oh, God. Like, if she knows, that's a great line. If she doesn't know, that's so unfortunate. The choice Yeah, of yeah and I think it's unfortunate, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so Nina, you know, they sigh. Nina puts her game face back on and goes to find the FBI agent, but he's gone. And when she walks back towards the room, um, she runs into two, two additional agents and uh, asks, if, asks where the agent from earlier is. And they say, we're the only two here. So realizes he's an imposter. And guys, holy shit, these terrorists move fast. Mm -hmm. Which means backup plans on backup plans, y'all. Okay, so backup plans on backup plans. But Terry and Kim just arrived at this clinic. The plan to send us to this clinic was only hatched at this point twenty three minutes ago. So that means we got a mole two point oh in CTU. It wasn't just Jamie. We can have a mole station in that place. Yeah. Yeah, they had a mole problem. It's a it's a fucking carnival game up in here. <laughs> so we cut to commercial. It's one twenty four. We come back. It is one twenty nine. Jack is in with Chappelle, explaining that he called for backup as soon as he knew that his family was safe. And uh, Ryan kind of like is patronizing him throughout this whole He's thing. Such a condescending fuck. Yeah. So basically, says you did what any loving father would do, but you know our procedures. You broke protocol. By the way, drink because mm. they say protocol. Uh, it says I can't reinstate you. So Jack really freaks out, understandably, says, you know, I everything I did was to save Palmer and never deviated from that mission. Um, to which Ryan just says, that may keep you out of prison, but it's not my call. But you know what? Like, as much as Ryan is a condescending bag, um, he's right? Like, you can't just throw Jack right back into this. Like, he broke a lot of laws. Right, and he's viewing it at a level of, you know, he's the manager of his man. Like, he's looking at it from a higher, like, I've got this guy who broke every rule, mm-hmm. every regulation. His, his you know, his office is on lockdown, and I just, I need to kind of get this away and focus on the, the main issue. Yeah. So, it makes and, sense. And, yeah, it does. I mean, like, we've talked before, or at least I have. You fools were not on board. Um, Jack is not a good manager of this office in any way, shape, or form, which comes up later when Chappelle interviews Tony. Well, he's not um, saying he's a good manager. He's not saying, hey, let me back in because I'm a good manager. He's saying, I'm a fucking resource. I know these people. Let me back in. Right. So he says two things. He says, arrest me later, but let me save Palmer now. I have contacts. I can still identify people who are on the loose. And I honestly don't know who he's talking about when he says that. <laughs> because the only Kevin? one he knows about in the plot is Kevin. He can know Kevin. Yeah, like, Kim. that's it. He's got Kevin. I'm going to identify you, Kim. He's going to get you, Kim. He got, he's got Rick out there still. Yeah, Rick's, um. on, Rick's on the lam um, <laughs> with his stupid shot arm like an asshole. Um, so uh, Ryan just says, I'll ask Alberta if she wants help. And he gets a phone call, and it's Nina calling for Jack. Uh, and he's kind of up to say, we're done here. Hands the phone over. Um, ends the recording. 
And uh, Jack tells Nina that he's being handed the Justice Department, and uh, just because he thinks Alberta is trying to make a career move. Um, which, I don't think he's wrong. It's not wrong, but it's also, like, that's kind of fucked up. Like, he also, like, broke a lot of laws. It's like, <laughs> Alberta's just doing a fucking job. Like, like I, again, like, it's one of those moments where you're like, women in this show are played to be, like, evil, like, Machiavellian people. It's like, ah, I would not have done a different also, thing in that situation. <laughs> it's also another one of the part of the show where, like, Jack has supposedly was in special forces in the military, yet he literally cannot follow an order to save anyone's Yeah, a single order. I mean, and I don't even know that he shot Mason. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> they don't even know about that. One. That's still a secret. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Calm down, Jackie boy. Maybe take it, take a chill pill, and let them work through the shit. But uh, what they shouldn't do, though, is ever leave Jack in a room with one guard outside of it. That's dumb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they haven't learned that lesson yet, especially one who called him sir earlier and like <laughs> obviously respects him. Like that dude's dick's getting punched right off, and Jack's gonna waltz <laughs> out of that room. Um. But Nina, Nina, like, basically gives him extra incentive to get out of the room, too. He's like, um, hey, uh, how safe do you think they are here? Yeah, so, yeah, she asked no about that. No big deal, don't worry about it. By the way, the bo- the man who was assassinated earlier was named uh, Walsh. Uh, just remember that, Richard Walsh. Mm. Uh, so, Jack thanks Nina for being there while she questions their safety. Um, and Nina asks him, Walsh said there was a mole in CTU. Do you get the sense it was more than one person? And Jack says, yeah, we got to assume that someone else is on the inside. Maybe Secret Service. Uh, and he just wants to make sure that Terry and Kim are safe. Um, so, we cut to Alberta and Tony. They're talking about a backup plan to kill Palmer. Um you say the initial thing is their investigation is finally paying off. We learn that there are three shooters now hired to kill Palmer. Uh, he rattles off three very Serbian sounding names, or two of them rather, uh, Jovan Miovic and Misha, Mishko Suba, and then a third unnamed shooter, which we know, as Tony says, no name. We cut to our very sexy, unidentified avenging angel. He's crawling up a desert hill with some binoculars. Oh my god, the and, uh, music for him was so oh, good too. So tasty. Yeah, oh. very triumphant. Um what does he see from his uh from his binoculars? Kim? What it what anyone who wants to kill an entire set of people would like to see Kevin in charge. Yeah. <laughs> so Kevin drives up in a town car followed by one of the red vans that escaped from Gaines' compound. Um he pulls out, so as he sees this, uh, our unidentified uh, angel uh, assassin pulls out his Palm Pilot, um, and as Tevin, Kevin tells the guys to unload the van uh, before he briefs them on an exit strategy, Kevin makes a phone call to Drazen, the, the new terrorist liaison, and uh, our shooter seems to intercept that phone call somehow via his Palm Pilot. Wasn't sure how that happened. And he knows but- that it's Kim. But 2001 was a crazy time. Um, so Kevin tries to cover his ass in this whole thing by basically saying that he saw all the holes in Gaines' plan, that but uh, couldn't convince him. Motherfucker. Yeah, and we also learned that Kevin is former DEA, uh, yep. which if you've watched Breaking Bad, you understand how bad the DEA is. Yeah. So Kevin should not be placed in charge of anything. There's also, so he basically says, I can fix this whole thing for you because I've done it before. And he says, when I was working for the DEA in Florida... I got to a witness no one else could find, and 12 hours later, he was dead. And, like, yeah, I mean, like, 
you're in the DEA, you should have access. Like, that's not that impressive to me. Like, it's just like, yeah, you're just a crooked agent. Like, yeah, like you don't, you're bad. Yeah, like, you, you have betray- all the information. You work for the DEA. Like, you just betray the people you work for, which is not a sign of, like, a good person. So, I don't know why I would trust you. When I was you. in the NSA, I, I, I stole encrypted data. Well, yeah, bro. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and he throws Ira under the bus. Throws Ira, our sweet, sweet dead hero, oh, under the bus. Rest uh, and Drazen says... I appreciate the offer, but, and here's something that I did not, this is bad. He says, as you Americans so often say, plan B is already in effect. You know how you guys say plan B is already in effect all yeah. the time? I was just, the other day I was like walking to work and I missed the train. I was like, well, plan B is already in effect. So. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's bad. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, would, I don't know I if any American has ever said plan B is already in effect. I think I think we have found a horrible slogan for the contraceptive, though. Yeah, <laughs> don't 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 worry about it. It's already in effect. Already in effect. <laughs> so Kevin, like, very appropriately asks, like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, not not like the hey, you Serbian dick. Like, what are you talking about Americans like that for? You don't know what you're talking about. He he appears to understand the saying. Um, <laughs> and uh, he scans around, and within like a quarter second, spots. Our assassin in the dunes around his little base. Uh, well, it's because his hair out. is just flowing uh, in the wind. His mm-hmm. gorgeous locks are just streaming behind him. Um, he pulls out some kind of detonator. Kevin pulls his gun and everything blows right up. Uh, Kevin's just flopping around the ground like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> our assassin walks up to him, pulls on his glove, kicks his gun away, Shoots Kevin one time and walks away in a nice tight just walk away shot. It was it was great. God, Kevin Ke- has had a rough day. He got smashed in the face with a rock by Terry. He got tied up to a town car with some seat belts by Jack. He got after punched- being the sh- after yeah. getting the shit beat out of him by he got, Jack. He got yeah. hit in the nuts with a with the butt of a gun by Ira, and now he gets shot in the face by an ignorable end to man. a a shitty person. You should have stayed in bed, Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is what you get for not winning the role of Jack Bauer. Mm-hmm. An embarrassment of, of riches. <laughs> so after he dies, we cut the commercial. We come back. It's 141. Uh, we're back at CTU where Tony is telling Alberta that Palmer needs to leave L.A. immediately. Uh, because and he says this in response to her saying, okay, so CTU thinks he should stay here all day? <laughs> no, he's... I, I, at first, that's what I was confused about. But I think she meant, like, he should stay inside. Like, he should not go to any other events. He should stay hidden all day. Because it sounded like she was asking if we thought he was fine and should stay in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> and Tony's like, no, he needs to leave immediately. There are three shooters here, which is one hell of a reading error for uh, the, the the dossier. Well, not to one. mention that he says, like, she, he needs to leave the state as soon as possible, as if... As if assassins cannot cross state line. Like, they're vampires. <laughs> they need to be inve- invited into your state. Please come to Nevada. <laughs> ah, no thanks. Um, yeah. But so, before that, though, Green says to leave the report with her before she decides on what to say to Palmer. Mm. What's that about, fellas? <laughs> That's suspicious <laughs> as hell. I don't trust nobody. Doom, doom. It's the law over theory. Just, just <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, now that, that comes... To the forefront, because Alberta obviously plays a role. We also get the very first real Tony. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, he, he enunciates it and everything. Uh, yeah, pretty impressive. Tony's, Tony's finally on the map. Tony oh, has yeah. a good episode here. Yeah. Solid. Solid for all So, and ha- we got a couple phases of him too, cause Alberta asks him if he's satisfied as being the number three at CT, uh, and tells him that Chappelle's gonna want to talk to him about Jack and Nina, because he's the only impartial one here. Um, and, uh, she believes that Jack could have dealt with everything without, you know, dealt with his family in danger without breaking protocol. And Tony gives her a look like he's gonna break. And we, we think he's gonna break. It's 1.43 though, we got a tiny clock. Uh, and as we think that, we cut to Jack in the interrogation room eating, a, eating a hungry so man good. dinner. Oh yeah, my god, he's you eating. You told me last episode that no one was ever gonna eat again. I come back from commercial break and what, see Jack housing a hungry man. Fucking banquet meal. <laughs> First yeah, of all, it, man. First it could have been all. a banquet, could have been a hungry room. It definitely wasn't Marie Callender. I'm surprised he's eating. But second of all, where did they get a microwave dinner at CTU? Was it was it Rayburn's dinner? Oh, it must have been. I mean, he didn't come in. But, you know, whose name was on that in the freezer? I mean, although to, to be fair, people are apparently regularly pulling 12 to 24 hour shifts at this place. So, I mean, they they should provide at least one meal, like an airliner. So. <laughs> Um, so Alberta walks into brief Jack as he's chowing down on a delicious microwave dinner. Um, she pl- tries to play good cop with Jack and Jack just not having it, not interested in it. Um, and she just cuts right to the chase and basically Jack's just like, I'll tell you what you want to know. You need to get into the CIA database and look into any Balkan terrorists and a accountant named Ted Kofel. Basically lays it out for, uh, Nina, uh, Alberta seems interested. We go back to Nina at the clinic. She's, she calls Tony, tells him about the fake FBI agent, and asks to send someone to pull prints off the phone that was in the original room that she walked into that he was on the phone in. Um, real quick scene. It's 145. We cut back to the Palmer HQ, which, by the way, take a drink for that tiny clock. Um, so our very flirty campaign aide, Patty, is back. She's awake, finally, from her nap. Uh, we see her walking through the hotel room with uh, Sherry Palmer. They're talking about some magazine photos. Hey, guess and, what? Uh, hey, guess what? Yep. Sherry is also eating. Oh, hey. We had back-to-back eating. Wow. People are snacking down. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, they're taking a late lunch. Sherry's had a rough day. Um, so, obviously, Keith walks by in the background and interrupts. And, um, God, this kid wants to go to jail so bad. I, like, just, I don't under, like, I, I can see in Sherry's mind as he's talking to her and saying the things that he wants to do with regards to turning himself in and making all this public. And just her just saying to herself, "Can you what I do with your bitch ass father?" And I popped your bitch ass out of my vagina because I have these bitch ass jeans. And you two bitches won't leave me alone today. How about this? How about you both shut the fuck up, get to the White House, and you can bitch, bitch, bitch all you want to. Jesus Christ, I hate you both. And they they have this argument like out in the open again, out in the middle of the open. They make a point of like Keith yelling about he was murdered and I did it, Uh, (laughs) and like make a point of Sherry like like turning around to like see the the full room of people not twelve feet away from them. Um, she lays the she lays the mom smackdown on him though. Yeah, Keith's just like I'm going to the police. We're not covering up an act. Covering up an action is one thing. We're talking about murder. I'm going to the police. Sherry's like, you will do no such thing. It's not your decision to make. You have no idea what it takes to keep a family safe. Again, they're just yelling about this. Um, and then kind of a weird, like, Foley work on this scene. We hear the sound of a door open, and they cut to David walking into the room. But again, it's a very open hotel room with, like, a, like, just a 
12 foot wide walkway that David is coming through. So it's like <laughs> they put the Foley sound of the door opening to make it clear that David was entering the scene, but there's no door. <laughs> just, uh, that was fun. He just opened a door very loudly somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so David interrupts their conversation and says, CTU did a threat analysis. Uh, we have to go to Dulles Air Force Base in Nevada right now. Uh, they want me, you know, and they want me gone. They want me out of the state. And guys, how much do you just want to bet that Keith is going to be a shithead about this and like run away from like the entourage and just find a reporter or something? Yeah, he's going to Kim it up. That's, yeah. his, that's his goal. He's, he's right. going to Kim so hard. So Rick is the Kim as going to jail is to Keith. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm so in love with it. I just want it so badly. Um, so David tells Sherry that it's more than Bauer. Because uh, Sherry asks about, didn't they catch the agent who was after you? He says, it's more than Bauer. There are other people after me. So we cut to commercial at 147. We come back. It's 152. Tony gets a call and goes in to see Ryan Chappelle. And um, basically, Chappelle says, we have to decide whether we want to pursue criminal or disciplinary action against Jackson. Did you guys notice the music as Tony walked into the Chappelle's, whatever room Chappelle was in? I didn't. It was like, somebody definitely took a cue from like Darth Vader, like Imperial March. I will say, we haven't talked about music on this show very much. They they only have a couple of, like, scores, but they all are very applicable to what's happening in the scene. Like, they use the music very intentionally on, like, how you, they want you to feel about things. Like, I had to go back and listen to it again, because I was like, I think that I just heard... And I was like, no, no, I definitely heard it. They just put a couple extra... They sampled it, I guess. Well, I think that's a good, cause like basically they want, they want to set up Tony to betray Jack here. Um, and basically Chappelle tells him that they have to charge him soon and it might all come down to your testimony. Um, he also says criminal. We have to decide whether to press criminal, criminal or disciplinary. Or disciplinary. And it's like, yeah, I feel like one of those are more, uh, serious. Yeah. Than the other. Jack, you're suspended for a month. Okay. And you won't be getting a 10 year prison sentence. You go home and think about what you did. <laughs> Yeah. Do you have a PlayStation? Because one will be provided to you if you do not have one. Um, so you're going to prison for 12 years. Also, uh, you're suspended out pay- without pay for a week. So, <laughs> so um, since since uh, since Tony is the only direct impartial observer, Chappelle says the whole thing hinges on him. So Tony basically says, "Let me save you some time. Go pound sand." Uh, here's the I quote: "I hate Jack." I'm not the biggest fan of Jack Bauer. I don't agree with the way he delegates authority or runs operations. But since midnight, you won't get me to disapprove a single action he has taken. Which, by the way, Tony has already disapproved of several actions that Jack has taken, like, publicly and to Jack's face. Um, And again, Tony knows that he tranquilized his boss. (laughs) No one else does. You know what? He was, like, looking back on that. I think that that was a good move. Yeah. I just watched a man with a soul patch. Step up and man up. Yeah. That right there is impressive. Tony Almeida has moved up on this show more than anyone else. Let's all give it up for Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Take a drink. I I know you guys were, you were uh, pretty harsh on Tony early goings in this season. Could not Um, fucking stand him. mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, though, he's the only guy, only person in this office with their head screwed on straight. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm on the Tony train. Are you happy he's a cup fans now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's it, look, look. When you decide to wear a soul patch, you decide to be judged. That's okay? right. <laughs> it, it it is what it is, man. Like I can't decide the color of my skin, but you can decide to wear that horrible thing. Yeah, 
That's on you. So I can, so I get to judge you, right? Now, can you earn your way back up? Yeah. And Tony Almeida has done that. Meanwhile, David Palmer, a man with no facial hair and a great voice, has been downgraded so far that I don't even want to see him anymore. Ever. I'd rather see Kim. I have, I have bad news for you. I well, know. Yeah, I mean, like, bad news on both fronts. Even though you would rather see Kim, because we all would, because she is attractive to look at, but very, very bad as a person and a character, <laughs> um, they both show up consistently in this show. Goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Tony drops his, uh, his, uh, Jack defense bomb on Chappelle, who sighs and says, fair enough. And we cut to David Palmer's motorcade, and, uh, Mike Novak is hanging up on a phone call from the Pentagon. So they learned more about Jack Bauer after the power planets. He's special forces captain, led a six man team on a mission into Kosovo, to which David says the Drazen mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mike says, yeah, he handpicked and trained his men and only Bauer survived. So David says he blames me for the loss of his men. That's what this is about, which I don't know how a junior senator from Maryland has the authority to be blamed for anyone by anyone Wait, for like a any, military mission, but I, I know he's on the services yeah, commission, but right. If he's on the intelligence of the services committee, then that could be the case. If they made him the chairman, which is insane for a senator of his age, he's just the first. He's the first one that needs to go down. Yeah. He's working his well, way from the bottom up. I guess we'll learn be, more maybe about. Maybe he's the only one left. Maybe he's the only one left from when the mission. Yeah, I, I mean, this mission apparently happened from the timeline we can kind of piece together. This mission in Kosovo probably happened about two years, maybe 18 months ago. Um, so this, the, like the terrorist mission has been in the works for about a year from the conversations we've had with Gaines and, and Drazen. So, you know, th- there's a weird timeline. So we don't necessarily know all this. We don't know David's involvement in it. We just know that. He was involved in a mission in which Jack's men died in Kosovo. So did did they just get unlucky or lucky that Palmer happens to be running for president? Because it seems like they would have had to start planning this before he really started his campaign I mean, it's, for it's, president. It's possible right? that they knew. Like when when Barack Obama became a senator for Illinois, they knew he was. Gonna... Yeah, but it's like Barack Obama for... was like was like good. At... Well, so you. It's also possible that this is either one, just like lucky timing, or two, an opportunity. Like, it, there might be another thing at play other than just the, the yeah. Drazen revenge thing. Like, the, like, we already know that there are people who want David in power for certain reasons. There might be people who want him not in power for certain reasons, and like this Drazen cover story is just icing. Mm. Never know what, which cabals are, are going after each other. Indeed. Let's get to the part where in a pre-2000, uh, in a pre-9-11 world, um, someone who works with you, who you trust, as Patty seems to trust her coworker here, says, hey, I can't make it on the flight. Can you take this bag for me? And you don't immediately think, hey, thanks for the bomb, bro. Can't wait to get on the plane with this bag. <laughs> yeah, so we come back to Palmer HQ. We get a tiny clock. It is 1.56. Please take a drink. Um, so actually, we're not quite there yet, but take a drink anyway. So we cut back to Elizabeth, the aide who was talking to Palmer about polling numbers earlier. Um, she says that uh, Sherry forgot something in the hotel room and gives it to, pa- to Patty, our uh, very enthusiastic aide. Um, hands it over to her. She says, I'm going to catch a later flight. Uh, we follow her down the hallway with her suitcase down into an elevator. We get a tiny clock. Yeah. Yeah. Some suspenseful, just like piano tunes. Um, she gets off on a new floor and knocks on room 1243. And fellas, who opens the door? It's pretty terror boy. 
Mm-hmm. Pretty mm-hmm. sexy right. terror boy. Sexy Man. desert angel. Sexy desert angel opens the door. Um, and, uh, basically he says, uh, or she says, I can't stay long. Angel says, then we shouldn't waste any time. She flashes the smile of someone who's about to get railed. Uh, <laughs> he might lay down. Dead. Yeah, just about to get railed by a Balkan assassin. Uh, Does she know Balkan, that he's a terrorist? No, she is, She can't have any idea. There's no way. I mean, that man's accent is perfect, yeah. Michael. He, he's, he's got it down. Yeah, no Michael. I mean, like one. Even if she did, would you care? Look at that guy. No, I'm just, I'm just wondering if she's in on it. I, I don't think, I think she's a patsy. I think she's just a useful, okay. just, I think she's. Cause the way they I, followed her down the elevator and the way she was looking around it, it looked like she might be. I think it was meant she, to, like, you were supposed to suspect her of something. Mm. And but she's then, not very good at it. Like, she was looking around <laughs> too much true. and kind of checking, like, she was horrible at being secret. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think you were supposed to think that she was in on something, but it just, you know. She just wanted to get that sweet, <laughs> sweet dick. God. Oh, um, so uh, we cut back to the, the clinic. The CTU tech tells Nina that the phone has absolutely no prints on it. It was cleaned by a pro. And uh, <laughs> Nina... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Look, I'm not a professional. I'm not a professional phone cleaner. But like if I was trying to just scrub for fingerprints, prints I'd, off. I'd probably just wipe everything that like my, might have prints on it. Yeah. yeah, you get you get alcohol swab, bro, and that phone is clean, mm-hmm. right? which should also be what you do if you are cleaning a room yeah. full of someone who is sick. So maybe if I was, it just happened to be clean. If I was a professional, <laughs> I would only wipe off prints from things I might have touched and not the entire phone. Right. Um. So we get a split screen as Nina runs out of the room to warn someone. Uh, the we see the fake FBI agent screen a suppressor onto his gun. Uh oh. Uh, yeah, things are uh coming to a head over at the clinic. Uh, we go back to Alberta and Jack. Nina calls to ask for permission to move Terry and came to a safe house early because I can debrief them myself and uh, that way I know they're safe. So Alberta I, gives her the go ahead to do so. I need to know what happened. Did Jack pee on someone's grandmother's corpse? <laughs> Because they sent um, they sent an assassin into a hospital to murder his wife and child. Well, CTU like, and, and FBI Jesus are there. Christ, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> and like, shit. I mean, at this point, like the five other people who died on this mission, like, are their families involved? Like, are do they blame Jack? Everything. Like, everything they- is on Jack now. Everyone who's died since midnight is on Jack. Was, yeah, because, like, Palmer's kids have been, like, out in the open and waiting to be murdered. Like, you're Al- almost, almost begging for it. <laughs> he's, he's, he's trying to kill the Bowers, and they're like, no, we're fucking killing Bowers. That's, that is it. Yeah. So Jack did something. Yeah, Jack did some shit. I mean, who knows? We're going to, I assume we're going to find out relatively quickly. Um, so we come back to the clinic. Terry is seeing, uh, her doctor, um, Doctor tells her that she had a burst ovarian cyst, which is causing the pain in her in her abdomen. Um, doctor wants to do a pregnancy test to rule out that you know a swollen ovary might have caused the cyst to rupture. Um, sorry about this train. Um, so as the doctor tells her that, Nina bursts and says, "We got to move." Um, they walk out. Uh, they gather Kim up. Look at that American hero, Sully Sullenberger. Yeah, that's fine. Sully Chesley's great. I love that guy. Tom Hanks and Pound Sand for taking that role. Anyway, so as they're leaving... Uh, Hot take alert. Doc- Fuck Sully Sullenberger. Jesus. Yeah, okay, but that's Tom on Tom Hanks you, is awesome. Oh, 
Wow, that maybe that you should have avoided take. those birds, Dick. Michael, how much have you drank? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I mean, let's not let's not go too far here. I'm just saying. That's going to be an outtake. I'm going to post that one on YouTube. <laughs> first off, this, this man this man joined the military with the first name Chesley. That's a goddamn hero. Yeah. Who you are. Hmm. All right? Hmm. Guy's got the right stuff. Hmm. Yeah, lots lots of pilots don't hit birds. That's all I'm saying. They don't get movies made out of made like out almost, of them. Almost every pilot exactly. doesn't hit birds. Yeah. That's not true at all. What's you just <laughs> A majority of pilots do not hit birds. The majority um, of flights don't hit birds, but they have they have protocols in place for bird strikes because it happens. Yeah, do they involve f- landing in the goddamn Hudson River? I don't think so. They probably do now. <laughs> 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 um, anyway, so as they're leaving, uh, under escort from CTU, Dr. Kent hands Terry a brown bag with a pregnant test in it. They run out to a waiting car. Uh, the fake agent, the FBI agent, is uh, standing upstairs looking through a window. Wait, um, first, before that, we get a cool pinky shot. Right? Cool pinky ring, bro. What is what is that pinky ring? I don't know. They focused in on it real hard. I oh, dope. I liked it. The old. Yeah. This is such a just just this is such classic. A, this is an interesting dichotomy between <laughs> your notes and my notes. <laughs> so this was a weird episode. Like, kind of a hard narrative thread. I took nine fucking pages of notes. I did not have time to write down that pinky ring, though. Um, I wrote down, cool uh, pinky yeah. ring, bro. And then immediately it's- after that, I wrote down, cool turtleneck CTU, bro. Because the guy who holds the door open for that, for Kim and Terry and Nina as they walk out, he's wearing a sweet turtleneck. I wish I had the luxury. Honestly, why you can't see what's dope in an episode? That's your decision, man. I wish I had the luxury of like examining that that closely. I want to, (laughs) but I got, dude. You know how how long does it take you guys to watch? They focus on that pinky ring for like three seconds. How long does it take? How long does it take you to watch an episode? Forty three minutes. I also realized during this entire episode that Misha Collins' character was called Al E, and they never actually correctly identified the actor's name. Uh, so yeah, it took me about an hour and a half to watch this episode, but you, you take notes on what is important to you. When a dude is wearing a sweet pinky ring as a supposed FBI agent, this is dope, okay? No, it's great. Mark that down. Yeah. There's no, for? there's no grooming standard for the FBI. Uh, <laughs> apparently not for, you for... Are, you are here for the details and keeping us on track, and we are here to keep the people entertained. Do I not do that? Oh, man. You, you do, buddy. Oh, beans. Uh, I will say, it takes me like two and a half hours to watch each episode. <laughs> <laughs> Show sucks. Well, anyway. Well, these two doofuses are sub-59 minutes here, so we're good. Damn, I'm so, I'm mad, Jelly. Um, so, w- Nina might see this guy looking out of the windows above, but they get in the car and drive off. Uh, multiple agents load them into the SUV. Um, he makes, the creepy FBI agent makes a call and says they're leaving now. Almost like this was expected, and his role was just to make sure they got the fuck out of that clip. Maybe they uh, know where the safe house is. Right, right. So, the safe house is where they expect them to go next, which means that he made a phone call to someone as he Right, exactly. So, we got a split screen kind of wrapping up the episode. We got Jack in a room. Uh, we see Tony. We see, uh, everyone. And then, uh, surprise guys, what happens? Fucking Palmer walks into CTU with his Secret Service flanking him, and he walks up, and Tony Almeida says, Senator Palmer, how can I help you? 
I'm here to see Jack Bauer. I'm here to see Jack Bauer. It is now 1.59 and 59 seconds, fellas. Episode over. Cut to black. Oh, shit. We're about to get a Palmer Jack. Oh, great. Two boys got assholes talking about how great they are to each other. It's going to be fantastic. I'm I so wouldn't excited. necessarily call Jack a Boy Scout. But, Curtis, by the way, I do need to very importantly tell you, Mission Impossible 2 is about to start over your left shoulder. Mm. We but were just talking about Mission Impossible 2. An underrated, uh, re- uh, you know, uh, sequel in that, that franchise, actually. It I made me really it. obsessed for a while with the uh, the so myth of was- Bellerophon. Yeah, because it had the Chimera was mm-hmm. the name of the virus. And, and Bellerophon's just a great name. Field, that was what the motorcycle fight. Yeah. Where they actually fought I, with I love Which, by the way, that motorcycle fight movies. is very bad and stupid. I don't care. They yeah. fought with motorcycles. Yeah. Can you do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, go watch Triple X Return of Xander Cage. I have not seen it yet, and I'm excited about yeah. watching okay, it. Yeah, okay, go, go watch that and tell me what you think about Fuck. motorcycle fights, idiot. <laughs> yeah, but Mission Impossible 2 set the stage for Xander Cage. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, and it and it starred. It had Tandy Newton in it. It looks a little bit like my wife. So uh, you know, mm-hmm. good times. Yeah. Anyway, is it back twenty four? Uh, got here's here's the thing. I thought first off is that David, no, you can't be in this office. There's a bomb waiting for you on the plane. <laughs> I need that to happen. <laughs> get on the plane. If you're here, who's going to get blown up? <laughs> how how does David convince? The Secret Service that drive him to CTU, and how does CTU just let him just walk in the front door without an escort of any sort? Yeah, like, and like, unannounced, like, right. no one's, like, how does, yeah, how does the Secret Service not be like, hey, by the way, this asshole's coming to the door. Yeah, like, right, just, we're coming to CTU, like, greet us with somebody important. Yeah. Or, like, give us security, because yeah. this guy's an idiot. For the love of God, make sure the first person we see isn't a soul-patched man. Oh, also, by the way, we're pretty sure his kid killed someone. <laughs> so, I we mean, heard I don't him know. talking about it. <laughs> Curtis, how you feel about those HBO trailers back there, bud? I'm gonna, we can fix this in post, but I just saw a trailer for apparently a comp, or a show from the Duplass Brothers. Do you like those guys? I like uh, those guys. An anthology series about a hotel room where weird things happen. What I saw was MMA fighting, some, uh, some weird furry action, and Jane Vanderbeek. And you know what? I'm gonna watch that show. Wait, uh, weird stuff happens in hotel rooms? Like, yeah. Like, no, people so get they have on? One, one room, it's one room, and they show what happens in that one room over the, over the season. But James, James Vanderbeek is in it? I saw Vanderbeek. I'm in. Is he, is he in it as James Vanderbeek, a la I hope so. Don't Trust the Bee in Room 23? Because that was great. Such an, un, such an underrated show. <laughs> Love that show. ABC had a couple of those. Selfie was underrated. It was fantastic. You watched, you liked John's show on Karen Gillian, and Don't Trust the Bee... Oh my God! Has James yeah. Vanderbeek played anyone other than James Vanderbeek in the past? Uh, like, ten he's years? about to play Diplo. What? <laughs> it's true. He's about to be Diplo, my dude. <laughs> what? Why? When? Listen, he played a, no one's he happy played, about it. Where? He played. A, he played a doctor one time, but him playing James James Vanderbeek is the best Vanderbeek. Yeah, yeah. It's it's peak For Vanderbeek. Sure. Like if we can get a show where he plays James Vanderbeek, Luke Perry plays Perry. <laughs> And maybe Jonathan Taylor Thomas plays him. Plays JTT. We'll have what we need. Wait, has uh, I think we'll be okay. Has JTT been in anything? He was on Smallville mm. like 15 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> and that's it. Wow, wow, sir, I didn't know that. But he's yeah. gonna be like 40 now. Yeah, yeah. we're old guys. Luke yeah. Perry's like 50. Jesus. Like anyway, like a- fellas, so uh, where do we think we go from here on the the hit TV show um, 24 that we're watching okay. and talking so, about on the podcast? 
So I um I still don't trust no anyone at CTU. Yeah, you can't uh, trust, trust anyone at CTU. I'll trust, I'll trust um, but yeah, there's I mean, there's a bunch of moles still at CTU, so something's going on. You think it's I multiple know. moles or just one? I mean, we know who the main mole is because she has to be. Who? Uh, Mrs. Green. Mm. You don't think she's just a career, like, power-hungry dragon lady? Like, why did she ask so hard for Tony's um, notes on the backup plan? That's kind of what got me. Okay, interesting. Um, They're definitely pointing that way. Like, she's made some moves that seem highly suspect. I I don't like the fact that it's so obvious, right? They could also be um, pointing to Chappelle. Mm -hmm. Because when they made the the phone call at the end of the episode, Green was in the room with Jack. And, and Chappelle and is Richard Walsh's to. boss, so he would know where Walsh was going to be. Right, you know? right. So, and it's not Tony, because he's becoming dope, and they want me to hate him at first. I know he appears in this. So. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's what we're going to find out more about that, but I really want to find out what this mission was about. So I'm thinking that Palmer and Jack are going to sit down and talk about the mission, and maybe we get a sweet flashback of Jack in action. That'd be cool. I but they will, don't like me, so that I, won't happen. I will say this show goes does not break its like real time thing. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get a ton of like I don't I actually I don't recall if you ever get any flashback action in the show. I don't and think am, you am do. I, and am I really never gonna figure out what happened in episode one with that bro calling calling folks about Palmer hit? Just um, we might. Okay. Yeah, you never know. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. It's a it's a global conspiracy, Curtis. It takes time to, for all the the pieces to come to place. That's working, Michael. How you feeling? I don't know what I just said, Michael. How you <laughs> feeling about uh about where we're going? Um, yeah, I don't know. I I completely forgot that that Palmer just shows up um mm-hmm. to CTU headquarters here. But while you were talking about um Miss Alberta Green, I totally had a flashback to. Uh, the 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 actress who plays. So I forgot her name for a second, and I thought Alberta, but immediately thought that Alberta was too racist for a black woman to be called. <laughs> so I I put it on my mind. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> so and then I remember the the actress who plays Alberta Green is in The Devil's Advocate, mm. and she's in a Are scene. The classic Keanu Reeves movie. Yeah, she's in a scene. She's the wife. She's the wife Class- of one of the partners. The classic. Uh, Don't you dare, Kush. Don't you dare besmirch that. Is, that, that. That was set in Florida. She's trying on Gainesville. clothes with, with Miss Charlize Theron, and she uh, shows her breasts. And while she's putting back on a shirt, there is some, some devilness happening all up in her face and breasts area. Yeah, which one, by the way, that that uh, sh- that movie starts in our our very favorite town, Gainesville, Florida, mm-hmm. shot partially in the Purple Porpoise, a now defunct bar. Um, also, if you haven't listened to the How Did This Get Made episode about that, you got to because <laughs> uh, it gets pretty buck wild. Apparently, Al Pacino rewrote half the movie by himself. Um, <laughs> the ending is Al Pacino. Yeah. You have to see it. Well, God. I'm pretty sure he ad libbed <laughs> that entire speech. Um, anyway, so yeah, I'm really curious to see where we go with Jack and Palmer here in the next couple of minutes because, like, I think Jack has a an opportunity to get Palmer on his side here and get an advocate to put him back in the field because obviously Palmer thinks that Jack did what he's done for a reason. Uh, he's Palmer also clearly a family man like Jack is. I think I think Jack's going to appeal to his family nature. No, no, no. I think Palmer, despite wanting to send his son to jail, <laughs> cares about his family in a weird, stupid, like lawful good way. Well, he cares about his no. daughter. 
yeah, and so Jack's gonna be so. like, "Hey, my daughter." And I my think wife. Palmer likes to think of himself as a family man. Yeah, yeah as a, as a parent, like you have unconditional love for kids. That's Jack. Jack has an idiot fuck. He loves her without. I mean, he loves Kim and will do anything for her and will kill the world to save this idiot <laughs> every day of the week. <laughs> that sweet, David, beautiful, that beautiful idiot. <laughs> David Palmer sees at least his son Keith. As a part of his tapestry to become more powerful than the president. Oh, I have this. Look at my boy. He's here and he's not in jail. Look at him. The moment he does bad around me. Oh, you can get the fuck. Go get no guy to pick her. Go to hell. No, no. I have the daughter though. I have the girl. So we're good. He's a piece of shit. I hate David. He's an asshole. I want him to go away. Jack is a family I, man. I almost. No. Go ahead. I, I agree. I, I, I almost. I don't quite see Palmer like that. Like he's. I don't even think he's trying to push his son out of the way. Like, you know, and I don't think he would ever like, oh, my son's gone. I'm just going to highlight Nicole now. I honestly think like the way he's portrayed is that he'll do the right thing at any cost, even if it means it's it's a distinction without a, a whole ton of difference. But like, I think he does love Keith. He just I think he feels that like Keith needs to like and Sherry probably at this point needs to pay the like consequences for what they did and if I he, he if he honestly, still becomes president i think i i think he he's doing this all knowing that he might not become president i think he's I honestly know, trust the system yeah I, th- I think so as well which is insane but i think part of it also is that he I, i'm not saying he doesn't he loves keith but he doesn't love him to the point where he'll prove him anything so he won't stop anybody from hurting his son um and he thinks so much of himself and what his presidency would mean to the world that he's willing to sacrifice his own child. Well, I think I think up until that this episode, I I would have agreed with you, but like now we're seeing that when it was an accident they were covering up, I, I think he was mad that they lied about that because that could have been solved. But I think now that I I think that once he realized that these people were willing to blackmail him with like Keith going to jail for murder, like he seems like he's committed to like keeping Keith out of that. Like, I think he's willing to go to some lengths, similar, like, not similar to Jack, but, like, I think he's willing to play by different rules now that Keith's consequences have changed. Like, when it was before, like, Keith wasn't necessarily going to go to, j- he was going to go to jail, uh, but, like, you know, it was different. <laughs> like, this is, like, murder in the first. Like, so, I, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It, Palmer sucks. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Like, if Palmer can, can come up in the next couple episodes and become a better man, then we'll see what happens. But right now, to me, he's just a self-serving asshole who thinks that he's right always and everybody else is just trying to, you know, pull one over on him or, or use him in some way. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think he really understands what it means to be a father. So, yeah. Well, you're speaking- his manhood and his fatherhood. Go to him. Yeah. Well, you're speaking to two men who also have no idea what that means uh, <laughs> other than our, our stupid idiot dogs. Um, oh, so it's close. Oh, I will it's send close. my motherfucking dog to jail. It's close. Here, here's Michael, are you kidding me? Your dog would be out in three days. Well, yeah, that's why I would he wouldn't. Send he him wouldn't even jail, need prison no break tattoos on his chest. He would just like walk out. Like, yeah, your dog <laughs> is a monster. I'll explain fatherhood to you guys real quick. Just I have known both of you for respectively. I think it is now uh, sixteen years and uh, eleven years now. Yeah, because you and I. Um, the moment my first child was born, the moment it happened, appeared a person on the planet that I would murder you in a heartbeat without thinking about if it meant saving him any pain. A- any pain? <laughs> any pain. <laughs> yeah. Huh. He is mm. my, u- my children are my universe. Period. End of story. That's how I so know that I would be a terrible father, because I'd be <laughs> like, I don't even know you that well, kid. 
Also, you're just telling me it's like, okay, this kid could get chicken pox, mm-hmm. or I could kill my friend Mike. <laughs> oh god damn it, could <laughs> okay. So he could so, he so, can stub severe, his toe, or I can severe, murder everyone I know. This? I'll say this: severe pain or disability. There you go. Man, I've had some pretty bad fevers. I don't know. <laughs> Accidental death and dismemberment. <laughs> well, fellas, I think that's going to do it for us tonight on the Longest Days of Our Lives. Uh, we've just finished up uh, hour 14 of the first Longest Day of Jack Bauer's The Life. witching hour. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. you, David. <laughs> yeah. This episode will be called Fuck You, David. Um, so, guys, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening. You can find more about this show and our sister show, uh, Trends in Low Places, which me and Michael do about dumb internet stories at goodbuddy.com slash blog. Um, if you want to get in touch with us or uh, share your thoughts on 24, uh, you can email us at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. And uh, I, I do want to say we did get one listener comment this week. Um, Michael, you incorrectly claimed that Neil, the Asian terrorist who was also in Die Hard, stole a Snickers bar mm-hmm. from the concession stand mm-hmm. in Nakatomi Tower. Would you like to rectify your mistake? Yeah, turns out he stole a Crunch bar. Um, I must have just been projecting that if Snickers and Crunch bars were both available, that a normal person was stolen a Snickers. Are we talking the red Hershey bar? No, 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 like the blue, blue, blue wrapper. Blue wrapper. Oh, 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 man. Yeah. Apparently that's stuff. what he stole. Well, they made okay. those in, in 1980s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, when Die Hard <laughs> came yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I used yeah. to love Crunch Bars when I was a kid. Uh, I will be honest, when uh, my office manager has candy on her desk, I... Either go for Kit Kats or Kit Kats. Are Crunch do do they still sell full size Crunch bars or is is it only? I think it's the only the snack size. Huh. Only the yeah, I don't think they have those. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, Curtis, how else can people help us out with this particular uh, radio internet program? What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of stuff. A bunch of gobbledygook, my friend. But <laughs> guys, if you want to help us out, uh, please you know subscribe and download us on your favorite podcast app. Whether that be iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and soon enough Spotify, um, go ahead and add us, add us in, um, download it, and then also please rate, um, and leave a little review, uh, on whatever app you use because that helps us move up charts and gets more people excited and, and into the, the podcast and we'll get more, uh, fan reviews and more, <laughs> more feedback on what we're fucking up during the show, which will be interesting to read. So, um, that's what we'll do for that, that that side of things. And then, Michael, is there a way that they can let us know what's going on on social media? Yeah, you can follow us at L-D-O-O-L-Cast uh, on Twitter and Facebook. Um, you know, and when we uh, when we post something about the show, please share it with all of your friends. Uh, we've had quite the uptick in listenership the last couple of weeks. We're very happy about And we thank all of you for sharing it. Uh, you know, we don't really advertise this show anywhere else other than Twitter and Facebook. So uh, we really appreciate uh, sharing it. Um, and if anyone out there knows anyone who has anything to 24, uh, you could send this show to them because we would love to get a retweet from maybe like a Tony Almeida or like a Nina or like literally the guy who like brings the donuts for season one of 24. That would be amazing. Or Samuel or Samuel or Jackson. Yeah. Like Rayburn. But like, yeah, so like if you know anyone, we would love to have them on the show or even just to give us a shout out. That would be great. Um, And uh, thanks again for uh, sharing it with all all your friends. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, Michael was not exaggerating. I think in the last uh, 
three or four weeks since we've come back from hiatus, we've had almost 300% growth in our <laughs> listenership. So uh, we are killing it, y'all. And that's thanks to everyone who's listening. So, and, you know, please tell your friends, uh, like we mentioned earlier, please tell your friends, even if they have never seen 24 and you think they might like uh, three idiots talking about a 16 year old TV show because it's we have a good time. We think you do, too. So, um, fellas, thanks for joining me tonight. I uh, can't wait to do it again next week. Love you. Love you, yeah. too. Fellas, I think we're running out of time. Toodles. Hoo <laughs> hoo.